0: Bible, please open it to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, how are you doing today? How's the family doing? How's your marriage? How are your finances? How are your relationships? How are things going in school? We all are familiar with such questions, right? And we're also familiar with the typical answers that we give, like I'm fine, I'm good, the family's great, the marriage is awesome, the kids are doing well. But are those typical answers truthful? Or are they simply answers we give so people won't come up with follow-up questions about what is really going on in our heart and life? Recently, a suburban Chicago teen was arrested at at O'Hara National Airport because he was accused of attempting to join the terrorist group ISIS. Now everyone in his neighborhood is surprised. It was like, "I'm, I'm shocked because he always appeared to be nice. He was always friendly. He, was, he always greeted me. And what about the shooting in, in the high school in Washington State this week? The shooter was a popular student. He was, last week he was named freshman homecoming prince. So he appeared to have it all together. A, well, a nice life. Well, his football teammate says, I have no idea what his motive was. Because yesterday at practice, he was all fine. He was talking, having a good time. And today, just terrible. I don't know what went through his head or what caused him to do it. And the state senator of Washington State says, what triggered him? That's what we're trying to find out. Because from all we have determined, he was a happy, go-lucky, normal kid. You see, I often wonder, do we really know people? I often wonder that. Do we really know people? Do people really know us, our neighbors, our co-workers, our close friends, even our relatives, and even the people we go to church with? Do these people really know who we are? I sometimes wonder. Many people have said these words, I never knew he was going through that. I thought I knew her. I've known her forever. And I did not know that she was dealing with that in her life. We've all heard people say those words. You may have said them yourself. I know I have. I have. Two times. The guy that discipled me in college fell away. I was like, I never knew that. A guy that 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 was my father in the faith, was going through a lot of stuff. I never knew he was going through that stuff until everything fell apart. Ian Rutledge, he's a fictional inspector of Scotland Yard in London. The character is created by the author Charles Todd. And in his book, A Test of Wills, uh, the good inspector investigates the murder of of, of Colonel Charles Harris. It's a difficult investigation for the inspector. So far in the story, every person he talks to says the good colonel was a good person. They can't think of any reason why anybody won't do any harm to the good colonel. And this is what Inspector Rutler says. He says... It was human nature to color your moods, your conversations, and your temperament to suit your company. It is human nature to color your mood, your conversations, and your temperament to suit your company. He says, it's hard to believe that Charles Harris had no sins heavy on his conscience, no faces haunting his dreams, and no shadows on his soul. There was no such thing as a perfect English gentleman. The inspector is correct. There are no perfect people. For all people are broken in some form or fashion. And they color other people's views of themselves in order to hide that brokenness. But here's the thing. We can't color Jesus' view. He sees clearly what we try to hide. He sees the brokenness, and, and what he wants is for us to acknowledge it. And so this morning, we're going to begin a new sermon series called Mutually Broken People, as you can tell from the picture up front. We're mutually broken people, regardless of the color you are, or your background, or, the, or where you come from. One of those stones represents you. We're all of that, song from our fashion. And so if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to focus on verse 20, but we're also going to look at the verses before it as well. It says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Please pray with and for me. Fathers, we come uh, to your holy word. We need your spirit to move. We need your spirit to come and fill this place. Because if he doesn't move, Father, nothing, nothing special happens here unless your spirit takes to preach word and apply it to our hearts and apply it to our souls. That's what we need, Father. We don't just want to go through the motions of church. It's just not to check off a list to say, yeah, I did that, so I'm good. We need to hear from you. We need to hear from your truth. Because not everything is what it appears to be. We can fool other people. But everything is not what it appears to be on the outside. But you know what's going on. You know what's going on behind our lives. You know what's really going on in our soul. And so I need your, we need your word to come and speak truth into that so that we can be healed, so that we can be set free. So Holy Spirit, come. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. In this sermon series, uh, Mutual Broken People, we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 20 through 47. We're not going to look at all those today, because you'd be here all day if we did that. But we're going to start with uh, verse 20. And and, and in this section, Jesus is going to present everybody as mutually broken before God. People who don't have it all together. People who have issues. People who need a savior. See, if you didn't have any issues, you wouldn't need a savior. You weren't broken. You wouldn't need to be healed. So we need a savior. And this is what Jesus is is going to show us in these verses, in this series. First, he wants to chip away our false sense of righteousness. He wants to chip away at our false sense of righteousness. This is what the point he's making in verse 20. For unless your righteousness that sees that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Remember, all people are broken. That is true in this country, the city, the teen in Chicago who was arrested, the shooter in Washington State. We're all broken. It's true of you, true of me, true of our church. We're mutually broken people. Now, believing it and saying it is two totally different things. It's easy to say that, but to believe it. And listen, I know it's hard. No one wants to admit that they're broken. That's not that's not something you gonna people are gonna stand up and say in a testimony, yeah, I'm broken. And I'm proud about it. No one says stuff like that. That's not American. And that's why we give people the typical answers of how we're doing. I'm fine. And sometimes it's the answer you want them to give because you really don't want to know what's going on in life either. Because we're good certain people we ask that question. We color people's perception of, of who we are and what our family is like in order to hide the brokenness. In order to hide it from people. And we do this by building up a wall of false righteousness. And this wall aids us into keeping up the appearance that everything is great in fairy tale land. Everything is great in Shipman land. Everything is great, whatever your last name is, everything is great in that land. But once you actually get into the land, you see it's not. You see it's not. So this false sense of righteousness, where does it come from? It can come from anything. I know for me it comes from my performance as a pastor, my performance as a husband and a dad, my accomplishments. What about you? Your achievements, your Christian good works, your role as a parent, your spouse, your job, material possessions. What is your wall? Your appearance, making sure your body looks a certain way, the clothes that you wear, the people you hang around, those the wall that we have, it fools other people. It does. It fools them. It may even prevent them from actually seeing who you really are. But it doesn't fool Jesus. It doesn't fool him. Unless your righteousness sees that of the scribes and Pharisees, you would never enter the kingdom of heaven. The scribes and Pharisees are are the spiritual and religious leaders of the time. Their righteousness is seen in their external conformity to the law. I mean, they, on the outside, they look good. They knew the scriptures. They tithed. They obeyed the Sabbath. They went to church. They did it all. They look good on the outside. They look good. They look probably a lot better than us in terms of spirituality. And so if you're on the outside looking in and say, man, these people are spiritual. They have it all together. I guess they have no issues. I guess these guys aren't broken. These women aren't broken. But their hearts tell a different story than the one that that life is telling on the outside. What story does your heart tell? Does it match what you're telling on the outside? In Matthew 23, Jesus Jesus says to the Pharisees, For you are like whitewashed tombs, which which outwardly appear beautiful on the outside, but within you are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. Ouch. That hurt. On the outside, they are beautiful. But on the inside, they're full of dead man's bones and uncleanness. So what is Jesus' point? He's saying, I look past what I see you doing and go right to your heart. He looked past what, you, what you're actually doing goes right to your heart. That's what he looks at. So when you think you're knocking it out for Jesus and you serving for Jesus, listen, he's looking past what you're doing. He's going, well, what does your heart say? Pastor, what's going on in your soul? Because that's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm looking at. He tells the Pharisees, you outwardly appear righteous to others but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Lawlessness. Their external righteousness actually hid their brokenness. It hid what was in their heart. And the same thing that our wall can do, their wall does for them. You see, it's 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 in our nature to present an image of ourselves that's not the whole truth the who whole truth of who we are. It's in our nature to present an image of ourselves that is not the whole truth. Of who we really are. We present an image of ourselves to suit our environment. So if you're in church, well, you got to put up the church self. If you're at work, you put up another image. But do you really know who you are? Do I really know who I am? We present the Instagram and the Facebook moments of our life to others. That's what we want people to see. But is that the real you? We give them the family portrait of our family. But is that your real family? The family portrait. Is that really your family? We give them the nice and cool church commercial about our church. But is that the real church? Is that who we really are? Is what's on the commercial or the brochure or the website? What is missing from these Instagram or Facebook moments, the family portrait moments, and the church commercials are the underneath brokenness that we try to hide from view. The brokenness does not make it up on the family wall of photos. Never make it up on the wall. It doesn't. Does it make it on the website, the church website? It doesn't. For brokenness is the, it's like the family relative you're not looking forward to seeing over holidays. You're not looking forward to seeing that family relative. The holidays would be wonderful if so-and-so didn't come this year, right? And that's how it would be brokenness. If I didn't have that, then my life would be a lot better. But here's the thing. I bet it never dawns on you that it's you and your family that people don't want to see. Have it ever dawned on you that it's not them, it's you? And the reason why you don't think it because you don't think you're the one that's broken. It's Uncle So and So and his kids. Where it could be you and your kids. <laughs> and the reason why you don't see it is because you don't think you're just as broken as they are. You don't think you had just as many issues as they have. You always think it's everybody else's family and kids and not you and yours. But guess what? It is you and yours. It's mine as well. And when Jesus chips away at your wall of false righteousness, you will begin to see it. That none of us. Have it all together. Now everyone in our family is broken. And when you get help, when you go to Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas dinner, guess what? You're all gonna be one broken family. Not just the one uncle or aunt. None of us have the perfect idea of family, none of us are cookie-cutter, and there are no perfect southern gentlemen in this country. We all have issues, we all are broken. And Jesus wants to chip away at that wall of false righteousness. One night, Wakita was uh, um, is, is homeschooled in this year, and one of the books that she um, picked out for him is, is called Cranberry Thanksgiving. Now, I don't know if you ever read that book. I really like that book a lot. And, and in this book, Maggie and her grandmother invited two guests over for Thanksgiving dinner. Mr., uh, grandma invited a guy named Mr. Horace. She says Mr. Horace was, basically was a good man. She said he actually bows. He has a gold cane and he smells of lavender like he smells good now Maggie guess didn't smell good he didn't smell of lavender he didn't have a gold cane she invited someone called Mr. Whisk- Mr. Whiskers grandmother was not fond of Mr. Whiskers because he had too many whiskers not enough soap and she also thought he was going to try to steal her cranberry bread recipe because in the story she's known for her cranberry bread and so both guests come to the house. The door rung, and grandmother opened the door. And so you have Mr. Horace and Mr. Whiskers standing beside each other. One, Mr. Horace had a nice smile on his face, had his old pink cheeks, had a really nice suit. And then you have Mr. Whiskers, with his old captain hat and all, the, all that great beard. And so who you think would be most trustworthy on appearances? The old captain? Or Mr. Horace with the nice cane and a nice suit. Of course, it was Mr. Horace. So the four of them enjoyed a good Thanksgiving dinner with all the fixings. And after dinner, while grandmother and Maggie cleaned the kitchen, the two guests got into a scuffle. They were fighting. They chasing each other outside and around the tree. And it turns out one of the guests actually stole the recipe. Who do you think grandmother thought stole it? Mr. Whiskers. But that wasn't the case. Mr. Whiskers actually captured Mr. Horace because he was the one who stole the recipe. And this is what Mr. Whiskers tells grandmother. Don't trust a man because he smells of lavender and has a gold cane. Don't trust a man because he smells of lavender and has a gold cane. Why? Appearances are not always reality. Ever appearances are not always reality. It's human nature to color your mood and your conversation and your to temperament to suit your company. And that's what Mr. Horace did. He gave grandmother the person he, that she wanted him to be. But on the inside, he was somebody else. Somebody completely different. Who are you? Who are you? Mr. Horace or Mr. Whiskers? Who are you? Unless your righteousness exceeds that, that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus wants a righteousness that is more than a Mr. Horace type of righteousness. He wants one that's more than just you externally looking good. Because if, if he wanted that, he had to fire the Pharisees. <laughs> if that's what he wanted, they had it. If that was his only requirement, they did it. They were doing it before Jesus came on the scene. They perform well. They work well. No, only that. Do you know what the Pharisees did? They added to the law so they wouldn't break the law. (laughs) This was God's law, but they put other laws on top of that so they wouldn't break that. (laughs) Do we do that? I know I don't do that, (laughs) but they did. They were more spiritual and more religious than I am. And actually they added 248 extra regulations and 365 extra prohibitions to the law of God. Think about that. They added stuff so they wouldn't break the law. Wow. Talking about setting up barriers, they had it. And Jesus says, I want your righteousness to be more than that. More than just you adding stuff. More than you just setting up more rules. I want one that's more than just skin deep like Mr. Harris. I want one that's much deeper. And what kind of righteousness is that? It's what Paul says in Romans 3. He says, by the works of the law, no human being would be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. That's what God is looking for. That's a righteousness that it sees that the Pharisees and scribes. A righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Do you have that? Do you want that? Is that how you live? Or are you just keeping up appearances? Or are you just going through the motions? I don't know your heart. But I know you're just as messed up as me. But where are, you, where are you living for? Where are you giving your life to? The word says for the righteous shall live by faith. You want to be righteous before God? You want to be right with God? It requires a changed heart. It requires one to be born again. And that's only through faith in Christ. It's the only way. The only way. You see, Jesus has done two things for you. His call, it's called his active and passive obedience. Those are theological terms. His sacrifice on the cross is called his, on his, cross is called his passive obedience because he submitted to, to the depth of the cross to make atonement for your sins. His active obedience refers to his whole sinless life where he perfectly obeyed and fulfilled all God's requirements of the law. Do you know that? Do you know Jesus did that for you? See, We, we, know, we know about the passage of being him down on the cross, but have you really thought about that all the requirements of the law Jesus fulfilled for you so you won't have to do it? He did it all. Not just dying for my sins, but he fulfilled the requirements of the law. Every single one of them. Perfectly. Without sin. So now... When you come to faith in Him, guess what? You get His righteousness as if it was you who was obeying Him. Isn't that good? I should get some amens or something. Something. Because you know, that's good news. That's good stuff. That's gospel. That sets you free from trying to perform for God, it sets you free beating yourself up because you're not a a perfect mom or a perfect spouse or a perfect student, a perfect sibling a perfect whatever that Jesus was perfect for you and so now you have freedom to fail and make mistakes and it's not the end of the world when you do because Jesus is there making a way for you embrace that embrace that Embrace it. The Holy Spirit, when he's working in your life, helps you to embrace these realities. He helps you to realize, I don't have to hide behind a wall of false righteousness. Just embrace the one that Jesus gives me. You have his. And it's okay for the wall to come down. It's okay to say, you know what? My marriage isn't good right now. I'm struggling right now. It's okay to admit that you don't have it all together. It's okay to admit we're, we're struggling. It's okay. And only if you believe Jesus is faithful and he's there with you can you admit those things. Because it sets you free. If you want joy, you want to live a Christian life that's full of peace, you've got to admit that I'm Cannot continue to hide behind something that's not real. I can't present an image of myself that is not reality. You've got to be able to admit the pain that's in your life. Take it to Jesus. Talk to a brother and sister. That stuff eats you up. It eats you up. You can only hide for, for, for so long. This is what happened to a friend of mine. He can only hide for, for, for so long and it all came falling down. And this week he actually had an opportunity now to go and share the testimony of God's redemption in his life. Because God has brought his, him and his master a lot of stuff. But God had to break him of it, that false righteousness. What, what wall are you hiding behind? What wall? Eventually it will come down. Painfully. For some of you. But Jesus will knock it down. And now I'm asking you to come out. For the first time, come out and be honest about who you really are. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Please memorize that verse. Please meditate on that verse this week. For our sake God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness, righteousness of God. And this table is a reminder of that great and awesome work that God did on our behalf. It was painful for Jesus, but it was for our benefit. This table is a reminder that Jesus Christ was made sin. He knew no sin, but he was made to become so that you might become the righteousness of God. Think about that. Think about that. His body broken, his blood spilled so you might become the righteousness of God. This table is a reminder that you no longer have to hide behind a wall of false righteousness. Do you believe it is the question. It's a reminder that Jesus has paid it all. Your sins, the requirements of the law, he did it all for you. But do you believe it? This table is for broken people, broken people, not for people who have it all together, not for cookie-cutter people. It's for people who are broken with issues and have sin in their life. It's for people who repent of those sins. It's for people who have saving faith in Jesus and people who are members of a church that proclaim the gospel. Friends, neighbors, if you don't profess faith in Christ, I'm thankful that you're here today. I hope you will come back. And if you have questions of what it means to have faith in Jesus, I encourage you, please come see me after the service. And I'll, sh- I'll share with you the good news of the gospel. Adults will ask that the kids with you upsta- um, withhold from the elements until they've been admitted to the table. And also, kids, please don't go to the kitchen and eat the, cookie, the, um, the bread and stuff after the service. I know some of you have been doing it. Please don't do that. But also, kids, also watch this meal. Watch what we do here. Because guess what? This is your parents' prayer. This is my prayer as your pastor. That one day when you come to saving faith in Jesus, guess what? You, you, and you, and you will be able to partake of this meal with your family. And that's what Jesus wants for you. To be able to take communion with your family. And our prayer is that one day when you come to save in faith, you will. And we rejoice. And i looking forward to that day that you can. Let us go to the Lord now and ask him to prepare our hearts for the Lord's table.